As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You're now tuning into Podcast Sessions Malaysia, your insight look into Malaysian's podcasting scene, one podcast at a time. Each episode, we invite one Malaysian podcast to join us on the mic to talk about who they are and what they do. As usual, I'm your host, Calvin Tay, and we have a very special guest in the studio today, someone who started her journey into the podcasting world during the pandemic and has already been making waves in the industry. Ayn Aisa, the host of the Seek to Speak podcast, might be new to the game, but that doesn't stop her from creating one of the best, and if I might add, my personal podcast here in Malaysia. Wow. I saw wears multiple hats. She's a legal director of a local law firm, teaches public speaking on the weekend, founder of not only the Seek to Speak podcast, but also the Seek to Speak platform. This is the second time she's in the studio. Welcome back to the studio, Aisa. I'm really happy to be here. And oh my gosh, those are super kind words. I don't feel like it's deserved at all, but I'm so privileged I, to I hear that. I think that you deserve all the praise because like me, Norman and a lot of podcasters that I speak to has heard about you. You're new in the scene but that doesn't mean that you are bad at what you do. <laughs> no, you bring value to what you do. Thank you. Thank and, you. and it's very clear that everyone sees it as well. That's really nice. Like, this is what I need on a Friday morning. Yeah. <laughs> and cupcakes. And yes, cupcakes. Yes. Right. Okay. So, before we dive into your podcast itself, before we dive into Seek to Speak podcast and platform, let us get to know you a bit better. So, you started the Seek to Speak podcast and also the platform to empower others to express their thoughts and viewpoints, right? Yeah. And you also mentioned in one of your interviews that back in high school, you were this very shy, quiet, oh and timid in nature <laughs> person, right? So, my question is, if you would tell the younger Isa that this is what you do now, what would she think? She would feel scared just thinking about what I have to do now. Like just thinking about what I have to do in law, what I have to do as a podcaster. Because the Aisa in high school, you can find her in the library mm -hmm. with her nose in a book and completely introverted. I used to love writing, but definitely not speaking. But for some reason, I wanted to be a lawyer yeah. because my dad thought, hey, you like reading and writing and therefore you should be a lawyer. Also, you suck at math. So <laughs> apparently that's a requirement. You did mention that you wanted to be a lawyer all the way back before you were 15 or, or like yeah, yeah, when around I, you were 15. When I was 15, I knew so much so that I actually dropped at maths when, so I'm in sub-science. Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't need at maths and accounts. <laughs> 
to do law. So, and it sucks. I hate it. So, I'm going to drop it. And then I did English Lit and Art instead. Like, that was my sense of purpose at that point of time was quite clear mm -hmm. that I wanted to do law. But when I went to university, I realized that the image of the lawyer that I had in my head, which was at that point of time, Ellie McBeal, Boston Legal, was totally counter to how I was in reality. I was a very shy and timid person mm -hmm. who's extremely sheltered. So I had a very thin skin and I found it very difficult to express myself. That's when I know that if I wanted to make my dream a reality, I needed to change and I needed to do something about it. And that's why I joined the debate club mm. in university. And I think that really catapulted me being a truer version of myself because okay. I was, not to say I'm no longer afraid of judgment because obviously that's something that everybody would have throughout their lives, right? But it's just something that I manage much better now. Because mm. it's so transformative to me, I feel like it's something that I'm passionate with until now, you know? And it's no secret that you have a day-to-day -day job where you are in a law firm, you know? Oh, and actually, it's a property development firm. So I'm oh. a legal director in a property development firm. Okay. And on the weekends, you teach public speaking in the Malaysian Institute for Debate and yes. Public Speaking. And between everything, right? You have your 9 to 5, and then you have your weekend 9 to 5 <laughs> as well. How do you juggle having the Seek to Speak podcast and also the Seek to Speak platform? I think it's really about everything being an ecosystem that supports each other. Meaning, doing a podcast, writing for my blog helps me become a better public speaking teacher, helps me become a better legal counsel as well because it helps me better express myself. But I think at the end of the day, right, Kelvin, it's really just passion. And I think you of all people would know that passion and I think also purpose can really drive a person. Because I found that after I started teaching public speaking, I loved it so much. It's such a fun thing to do for me to the point where it helps me get through my <laughs> 9 to 5. Okay. Like it makes my life feel fulfilled. And I feel like when a lesson ends and then I put my lesson plan into a cabinet, mm -hmm. doesn't see the light of day. And I feel kind of sad about it. And I feel kind of sad that not everybody can afford public speaking lessons. So that's how Seek to Speak was born. It started as a blog. So I transposed my lesson plans into articles and then it became what it mm. is today, really. Basically. So we know that you started the Seek to Speak all because of your interest in debate. You yes. know? Oh yeah, congratulations on the championship that you won for debate. Oh, thank you, thank you. Because when I was going through your episode, you said that you were thrown into the whole debate championship alone. Yeah, because one uni only have one representative and you uh, were just... Yes, that's a public speaking competition. Oh, oh my god, okay, I was okay. only 19 and I was thrown into a public speaking competition that I had to do alone. And it was like a week before their actual competition. And I remember the whole time, I think that's my first time I felt so anxious like I was sweating the whole time I was there I didn't have anybody to talk to but I think that's when you know something big is going to happen in terms of your self-development when you're completely thrown out of your comfort zone and you're forced to do things that you would have never done if not for this context or mm. situation so I felt like that public speaking competition gave me that boost to push myself to be in uncomfortable situations. Because, Kelvin, I'm, I'm not trying to boast anything. That was my no, first no, public please. speaking competition. But it was the public speaking competition that I won. And, like, I came out as a champion. The whole time, I was extremely insecure. And that competition gave me such a huge confidence boost. I mean, I mean the prize money was great. Oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> but yeah, so you never know what you can be until you push yourself out of your comfort zone. So that's why I really advocate for people to do things that they would have never otherwise done. And speak about things that you won't otherwise done. When we're doing our research on the Seek to Speak podcast, I also did my research on you. In your time abroad in the UK, right? Yeah. You visited a lot of music festivals. Yeah. I would assume that you were a fan of music festivals. So, <laughs> so here's a game that I like to play oh on uh, podcast sessions Malaysia. It's called the Rapid Rounds. Okay. I'm going to give you five festivals and you tell me if it's underrated, appropriately rated or overrated. Okay. Okay. So starting with Coachella. Uh, I think it's overrated. Why? I've never been to Coachella personally, mm -hmm. but what I've seen online is it's unlike Tomorrowland or other kind of music festivals. It doesn't look like a adult theme park. Like okay, okay. I mean, yeah, and I it's just you. really the music, and it's all huge stage. There's no team. There's no activities. There are some music festivals that have activities, like the Wilderness Festival mm -hmm. in the UK. So I think it's totally overrated. Okay, Tomorrowland. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, I don't know, underrated. It's so it's rated so highly in the world. Mm -hmm. But I had such a good time with my husband okay. in Tomorrowland. Glastonbury Festival. Okay, I've never been to that one, okay. but my husband has and he said it's amazing. If you are a person who's really into like alternative music, mm -hmm. Actually, all types of music, because every year it's different, right? Yeah. That's the music festival to go to okay. in the UK. Burning Man. Oh, that's interesting, actually. Yeah. I really want to go for that. Like, it's on my bucket list to actually just visit. Like, even if I go for one day, that you go there. Like, yeah. like I just want to experience Burning Man in the middle of nowhere, you know? Yeah, that's on my bucket list okay. as well. Lollapalooza. I don't know. I think maybe that's a little underrated mm. I think in comparison with the rest okay. but I'm not sure I, I don't know a lot about that festival so I can't really make a okay. judgement and that's the end of segment one okay <laughs> you, like, how uh, did you know that I would be into music festivals like we, we do our research all the time I, mean, like, I just had that one video on Tomorrowland <laughs> okay now let's dive deeper into your podcast and your platform Seek to speak, right? We know the platform is out there to just create articles to help people be more confident with who they are, right? Because in an interview, you did mention that you were in a classroom with your students and you asked them about current affairs. And you mentioned that I think a couple of them who just have opinion but just don't know how to phrase it mm -hmm. and, and they got scared and it's like, oh, it's okay, it's okay, I, I, I don't want to share. No thanks. Right? <laughs> So, knowing all this, right, what made you decide, like, huh, I actually want to start a podcast to help other people out there, even though if it's just one or two people listening to it? Okay, I've got to be honest. It wasn't done with intention. It okay. should have been done with intention. But actually, I bought a mic, not to create a podcast, but just to read out my articles. <laughs> like like, like an audiobook, but... Yes, like, okay. um, you know, like... Even like the star or the economist, they have like a verbal, yeah, like yeah, yeah. a robot reading out there. Because when you're driving, you want to hear the news, you don't have time to read it. And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to do the same for my articles. But you know what, Kelvin, I think you know this. Like writing English is not the same with spoken. Yeah. Like once you read out articles, it just sounds so formal and yeah. like long and just super boring. And then that's when I'm like, oh no, this is such a failure. But now I have a mic. 
So then that's when I realized that was during the MCO when everybody was cooking and baking, you know, that, that, that yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, the Dalgona coffee <laughs> yeah, time. Yeah, everybody was doing the coffee, everybody was doing the sourdough, I was the same. So obviously, there was a lot of dishes to do. And that's when I started listening to, I've always loved TED Talks mm. because it helped what I do better as a public speaking teacher. So then I realized that they had a podcast and then I started listening to TED Talks yeah. and then I started listening to so many other podcasts and then I realized and one of them is also Podcast Sessions Malaysia. Which was my next question. Yeah, so yeah. we're full circle by the way. I'm like, wow, in six months guys, anybody who's dreaming to do a podcast because of Podcast Sessions in six months, you could be on the show yourself. This could be you. <laughs> you could be me in front of the amazing Calvin with Joe, no, 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 the I'm producer. Flattered, flattered. This is about you, not about me. It's about you. Yeah. So that's how it came to be. And then I remember your interview with Norman. It's the mm. reason why... F episode one. Yes, episode one. About how if you want to be a podcaster, you should do the work of a podcaster for at least a month and see if you liked yep. it. And I did. I really, really did. And it's bi-weekly, so for me, because I'm just one person. So it's just two episodes a month. I'm kind of cheating if you think no, about it's, it. For it's it's, it's for fine. So I really loved it and then I decided to release the first episode and it's so sucky, Kelvin. It is so You know what's the worst part? What? That is the episode with the most listens and it's the worst. No, it's, it's <laughs> normal like that. Like whenever you have a podcast, right? Yeah. Your first episode will always be the most listened to. I don't think I did research on this, but do you number your show? Yes, but only later. Only so later. Me, when you say number your show, meaning... Like if I go on Spotify or iTunes right, yeah. and I scroll to your first podcast... It'll be number one, yes. Don't do that. Because this is my personal... Oh, that's good advice. Yeah, okay, why? Because this is my personal belief. I shared this on our first podcaster's meetup. Mm. There, there's no study about it, alright? But I believe humans has been thought to follow... Numbers. If you watch a TV series, you don't watch from like season 2, episode 10. You watch from season 1, episode 1. Yeah. Same goes for podcasts as well. When you put 1 as your first episode, people think that, okay, I should listen to this first. Right? And then follow up. But like podcast sessions in Malaysia and Seek to Speak, you can listen to any. Yeah, uh, it's, it's not a story or narrative, yeah, right? It's not a narrative. You can pick any episode yeah. and it will give you different values. Yeah. Right? So take it I out. I should take it out. I know I have like this conflicting relationship in my first episode. I'm super embarrassed by it because it's just me with a mic talking. Mm -hmm. And I sound, it's a rant, basically. Yeah, okay. it's, a, it's a silly rant. But at the same time, I'm proud of it because it becomes the benchmark of how much I've improved. Like when I hear back episode one and I hear my latest episode, I'm like, wow, I've come so far. So as much as I hate people listening to it, but I like that it's there to remind me of how much you can do if you just keep at it, you know, consistency. Mm. That's the hardest yeah. part of podcasting, I feel. Like, I, statistics have shown that a lot of podcasters stop after one year. Yep. That's the, it's the one-year mark. And I'm not even there, but I plan on crossing it. Now that we know how the podcast came about, right? I want to know more on how the episode came about. Because I do know that some episodes are taken out of your quote-unquote lesson plans with your, with your students. Right? And you have been teaching for how many years now? Three. Okay, does that mean that you have a whole entire backlog of folders with lesson plans that you can just... Okay, today I feel like talking about this. So yeah, just... absolutely. That so, is exactly it. So you have around three years worth of yeah. episode 
If you really think about it, yes, I do actually. But those come in the form of the speaking snacks. Okay. So that's why it's so easy to record. Mm -hmm. Recently, I managed to finish recording, uh, record a speaking snacks within one hour from recording to editing to producing it. I saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah to publishing it and then making the... The, the Instagram, the social, everything in an hour. And I was like, okay, this is this is great. So if you are able to, if you love what you do, and that's the content of your podcast, it's so easy. Mm-hmm. And that's why even though I did the interview sessions, like the full-on episodes were interviews, I started the Speaking Snacks because I felt like it's short, it's easy for me to do, it doesn't take much, and that's how it came about. So basically, Speaking Snacks is about 10 to, sorry, <laughs> 10 to 15 minutes long. It is it be, it's basically just me giving different public speaking tips and tricks in really bite-sized information. So that's the one that I have three years okay. of like lesson plans to do. Okay. So you're good for the next three years lah? Yeah, honestly. And most of the time, it's just things that... So I'll have a lesson on Saturday and I'm like, okay, I might as well just make it into a 10 minutes or 15 minutes okay. podcast. That's why you have some like really weird stuff. Like I think the first episode was about... Or one of the episodes were about narratives, mm-hmm. points of view. And then another one is about non-violent communication randomly. But that was because that was what I thought during that weekend. So okay. it's immediate. Okay. Yeah. And you also did mention in one of your interviews where the lesson plans that you create, the reason why you have three years worth of lesson plans is that you don't recycle or reuse anything with your students. Every time you have a new class, it's something fresh, yeah. something new, right? And that helped you improve as an educator. But I want to know, did that help you improve your podcast or you personally? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, of course, it's a lot more work. But I feel like if you love the students and you love learning, which I do, both of them, so you always want to better yourself for the sake of the students. So in this semester, Kelvin, I started the semester with a podcast production. Like I actually thought... You told me about that. Yeah. Yeah, you told me about that. I taught my students how to create podcasting because I felt like the process actually taught me a lot about speaking and thinking on your feet, Mm. about meeting new people like Mm. yourself and communicating with them, about knowing your purpose as well as your audience, which are all transferable skills to speech writing and speech delivering. So this semester was something that I did completely different actually so because everything moved online later yeah. so we did real life application of speaking skills we pretended we were investors we pretended we were okay. politicians so i feel like the whole process helped me in fact for for example like nonverbal communications mm-hmm. it was a podcast guest that introduced that concept to me and then i read about it and then I realized that this is something everybody should learn hmm. as young people as well. So nonverbal communication is basically the method of communicating in a way that allows people to resolve problems. So it assumes that everybody has the capacity to for compassion. So I taught my students nonviolent communications in one of the classes and they had so much fun. 
And then I made it into a speaking snacks. And I even had their dialogue in the speaking snack because it was so much fun. So this is the ecosystem that I was telling you about. Mm. Make sure that your podcast is on something that you feel passionate about. And it helps you in all other facets of your life because you're not just a host. You are a a boss of a company like yourself. Like everything that you do in your podcast should help you in other facets of your life. And that's why I feel like it's so easy to do Seek to Speak, even if it takes up a lot of time, because I see the value of Mm. it in everything that I do. That is so admirable. Because as you were explaining how you guide your students, right? Here I am thinking is like, why didn't I have a teacher like you when I was studying? (laughs) It's like, yeah, it's, it's really amazing how you try to incorporate what you love to what you do. Because would you say that your time as an educator and your time hosting Seek to Speak goes hand in hand? Yeah, absolutely. It's a big part of being a podcaster because recently, right, we uh, we had a collaboration with Women's Aid Organization. Mm-hmm. So it was for their Girls Take Over campaign. So what they do is they basically pick uh, teenagers in their network to be on media outlets like podcasting, video, as well as social media. Mm. So I had to interview two 15-year-old girls on child marriage and we also had a capacity building officer who I interviewed and after the interview process Gaia who is the women's aid organization's capacity building officer was really grateful with the way that I conducted the interview because I'm so used to talking to students I'm so used to getting to know students and getting them out of their shell Mm -hmm. so a lot of the a lot of other media partners found it very difficult to talk to children because they usually talk to adults. So they don't know how to get honest conversations out of teenagers because the teenagers get really shy, they get really scared, and then they just read out whatever they have on their script. So what I really, really tried to do in that episode was try to make it as natural and comfortable as possible. And I don't think I would have been able to do that if I wasn't a teacher, if I wasn't an educator, if I haven't been teaching online for the past six months, Mm. I wouldn't have been able to do that virtually. And we had such a great conversation because of that. And I myself am so amazed all the time, Kelvin, by how young some people are, but how mature they are with their thoughts. And I think being an educator made me open to all of this potential as well as the aptitude to help get information out of people, especially children. But you also have been working with children for the past three... It's more than three years, right? If I'm mistaken? Yeah. I mean, technically, when I was in university, I was also teaching. Yeah. It's your part-time gig to teach debate and also public speaking, yeah, if I'm mistaken. That time, yeah, because that made money. I don't mm. know why now my passion doesn't make money. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. I really like teaching. And even when I was a lawyer with, in a law firm, I taught at the PT Foundation. What's a PT Foundation? So PT Foundation is a charitable body that helps those who are afflicted with HIV uh, okay. in a variety This is of, in Malaysia? Yeah, okay. PT Foundation. A variety of things. And they had like this program called Back to School Program mm-hmm. where they teach children um, English, children to parents who have those kind of affliction and may not have the capacity to teach them. Kelvin, it, it's so heartbreaking. I remember teaching some of them. They were like eight or nine years old, but they were still illiterate. Like they really needed a lot of help. So I've always felt like I wanted to teach. When Even when I'm not teaching with MIDP previously, I just really like 
educating children is just I would say that that's a bigger passion mm. than Seek to Speak, and it's it's why Seek to Speak was born. And speaking about Seek to Speak, you end each episode asking your guests, "Why do you seek to speak?" And I know this <laughs> yeah. because I have answered that question. <laughs> I was caught so off guard. I just want to know what was some of the best values you've got out of that question. I think the best one was actually the most simple one, which is because that question assumes that you seek to speak for a purpose. I seek to speak to inspire others. Um, that was what Mai said in my second episode. I seek to speak to pursue genuine conversation. That's what Roshan said because he believes that communicating with others is our only way to really find and understand other people. But I found the most fundamental one to be uh, the one in Kairun's episode, which is episode 7 on environmental advocacy. Mm -hmm. She simply said, I seek to speak to be heard. Because I have a right to be heard. So it's so simple, but it's, Powerful. it's so right. Because regardless of what we do, who we are, what we want to achieve, we all have a right to a voice. We all have a voice. We all mm. have a message. And we all want that message to be out mm. there. And we just need to remember that we have the right and the ability to send that message and to express ourselves to the world. So I feel like to me, that is the most fundamental ethos of Seek to Speak is that we all have it in us to be the best version of ourselves. So that's my favorite. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm sh yours was good too. No, 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 no. <laughs> like, it makes sense. It makes sense. Like, how so little means so much. Yeah. You know, because why do you seek to... Because I want to be heard. Like, that's so powerful because a lot of people, like, me included, like, why do you seek to speak? Oh, because I have this and that to give people blah, 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 but I want to be heard too. Yeah, at the end of the right? day, even if you're an introvert or an extrovert, a lot of people think I'm an introvert. So like, you know, yeah. like yourself, yeah. I'm not built to speak because I find it hard from the get-go. I'm not equal with the extroverts, but actually introverts want to be heard as yeah, well. Exactly. That's why I want to be heard too. Like, <laughs> like compare myself I'm sorry, I'm just going to take this time for myself. Uh, compare myself where I am when I started Re Renegade Radio to where I am now. I feel like I have improved a lot in a sense where I can have actual conversations with people. You know? yeah. It was a lot harder for me. Even having like an eye-to-eye -eye conversation, that's difficult for me because I still tend to look away, mainly because I'm thinking. But it's hard for me to do that last time. But I feel like I'm, I'm comfortable. I'm more comfortable behind the mic. I'm comfortable if there's a camera. camera. You know? I'm comfortable if I'm talking to a complete stranger. Because I just want to know about them. I want to know what they do. Mm. That's my ethos. Yeah. I want to be heard and listen. True. One of the podcast guests also said that a big part of speaking is also active listening. Not mm. to rebut, but to understand. Mm. And I think, right, I just want to debunk this misconception. It goes to your journey as well. I am still afraid. Like before every single episode recording, before every single speech that I do, it is a misconception to say that you are so good of a speaker that one day you will feel so confident that you will speak without fear. No, not at all. Fear is, and nerves, is physiological. Like you just, even now I'm sweating, but you just get used to the fear it becomes something that is at the back of your mind. It doesn't surround your brain and it doesn't let 
it doesn't get in the way of you speaking your message. So don't worry if you've been working towards having a podcast episode, but you're still scared or doing that speech, but you're nervous about what your friend said. That is absolutely normal. But make sure you actually take that step of doing the podcast, of speaking your mind. Because the first step is always the hardest. Yep, it's always it's so hard. The first step is not hard because it's hard to do. It's hard to convince yourself that it's actually okay to just put something okay out there. Yes, that right? is good enough. Right? Yeah, that is good enough, right? I'm, I'm actually glad that you moved towards dropping lessons, you know, throughout the interview. Because when I was doing research on your show itself, I've picked up three very important things that I could resonate with. Really? Yeah. So I'm just going to read it out, my interpretation of what you said. And if you could just try to elaborate a bit on it, right? Oh, this is so exciting. Okay. The first one is learning the ability to humble yourself in order to improve because arrogance will halt development. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So this came from a conversation that I had with a student. And sometimes you have students who are really good, who's really confident, who can have no difficulty speaking their mind. So because they have like this inflated sense of self, they tend to not really take the activity seriously. They tend to not pay attention because they think they're really good. But at the end of the semester, these students are typically the ones who do the worst because they actually don't dissect what was taught. They don't listen. They don't take the activity seriously and they do much worse. So I feel like I actually had a conversation with this kid because I remember this kid just refused to do any of these activities. And I know it may sound harsh, but she was very rude. But I responded with, that arrogance will not get you to be a better student or a better speaker because I really believe that you are an amazing student, that you're just not maximizing your potential because you don't think you have any more to learn. But the reality is that no matter how good you think you are, there's always something to learn, always. So in real life too, I find that a lot of people, I mean, even debaters, sometimes they think that they know everything. And that's why we, we don't think that other people have value. And that's why also, right, we don't listen to other people because we think like we're talking to them and like, oh, I know what you're going to say. It's wrong. Therefore, there's no value. I'm not going to have this conversation with you. Then we sort of miss out on the opportunity to learn. So always remember that no matter how good you are, you can always be better. I actually really don't believe in perfection. I think we're all a work in progress and we should be working towards being better. So don't ever be too arrogant to not listen to other people and to learn new things. The reason why I picked that as my first one is because I resonate very strongly. Because I was that kid in high school. I was that kid Oh in my gosh, school. I hate you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which which when I heard that I was like, shit, that's me. Or what I used to be. And yeah, all I can say is just even reading it off the script now, it's regret on my end. I felt like, you know, I know everything. You know, why do I still have to learn? But You're one you of up, those students that are like, I don't really need to study much, but I do well. Yeah. Here's exactly. a fun story. Back in high school, I think it was Form 4 or Form 5, I can't remember. But it was my last years of high school. Uh -huh. And my English teacher always hated me because I, I never paid attention in class, right? And I remember very fondly, like, when we had our exams and then she was giving out marks. And she gave mine out last because I scored 97 points out of 100. Oh and, my and gosh. And I didn't pay attention. I still remember fondly on the look she gave me. Oh my you gosh. Know, it's like, I hate you. <laughs> But congratulations. <laughs> yeah, uh, 
it's, it's it's just that, right? Yeah, so okay. Going to the second question, you will only learn when you're put into the scariest situations. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I learn the most when I'm most scared and most anxious and most nervous. Okay, it's not always a happy ending, Kelvin. So the first public speaking competition that I went to, I won it. But the first debate competition that I went to, I completely crashed and burned. It was so freaking bad. Was it a solo debate thing or like It wasn't. I was with my friend. Okay. But we were both super bad. Like we were supposed to speak for seven minutes. We barely spoke for two minutes. I think the first motion, so for debates, you get a motion, which is basically a topic. It's a statement and then you have to debate about it. And I think the topic was this house would ban corporal punishment. And me and my friend looked at each other and like, what the hell is corporal punishment? <laughs> and we were the first... We were the first oh, no. team And then I had an electronic dictionary Back from my English lit days And then corporal meant Related to the body So I was like Okay And then I started I was like Okay We are We are going to talk about Punishment that relates to the body And then someone stood up and said Does this mean you condone caning? And then I was like uh, I guess so. Like that's when I realized halfway through my speech that it meant physical punishment, like physical mm. punishment, like caning or whatever. And it was just, it was so bad. I remember to this day, right, Kelvin, what the judge told me. I know you guys are new, but you guys are university students, and this is an unacceptable standard. Oh, no. And I was like, oh my gosh, it was really, really bad. But I felt like I needed to be humbled. Mm. I needed sort of like that wake-up call because I'm generally quite a good student. So you just assume that if you're good at academics, you'll be good at debates. Um, no, that's not the case. So that is when I realized that. But that competition itself, I learned so much about my lack of knowledge and what I needed to do after. So immediately after the competition, I actually stayed with debates and I started reading a lot of current news. I started practicing with our friends. We actually study about mm -hmm. debates together. Because if you're doing the same thing day in, day out, that's complacency. You're not doing anything new. You're not learning anything new. So that's why I truly believe that you're absolutely right. If you want to learn, you should step out of your comfort zone. I have a last question. But before I go into the last lesson, I've been curious and I can't seem to find it through the research. How did you get into debate in the first place? Because I know debating has been a huge part of your life. You know, especially when you were in uni, the things you do. And I think I might add, debating helped you into law, into mm. being an educator and, yeah. and even contributing to the Seek to Speak podcast. Right? Uh, which brings us to the third question. Stop caring about what others think of your work. Just put it out there even if there's only one audience tuning in. So I think what I've really listened to, what I've learned from this process is that you cannot rely on external forces that you can't control to define you and your success meaning don't ever start a podcast because you want to get a lot That's of money cool. yep. you, you want to get money you want to get a lot of attention start a podcast because it helps whatever you want to be better hmm. when you make that within your control so your measures of success or your goal is within your control then it's a lot easier for you to just do the work then you don't think about how many listens there are, how to monetize it, because then the work will speak for itself. Yep. If you just concentrate on the work, I don't know if I can't give assurance that the money will come, but <laughs> I believe that the following will eventually come. 
And I honestly feel that the fear of judgment is the number one thing that stops people from doing so many things because they fear they will fail. They fear that, I mean, I've talked to a lot of podcasters and even those who you listen to sound really, really convincing and confident. They all have this crippling fear that nobody will listen to them or that it would end because they were too busy. So if you think about the bad stuff, that will cloud your judgment, really. Instead, think about what you can do. Think about what is within your power to control. I want to have four episodes every month. That's something that I can do by myself without thinking about everybody else. Just do it. And it gives you a clear path of doing what you need to do and to getting it done. Everything else is secondary. Everything else is a, not to say it's a luxury, it's a gift. Yeah. Okay, that's very interesting. Yeah, so so th- there was a three takeaways when I was doing research on your show and I really resonated heavily with all three of these questions, right? But we're going to take a quick break here and when we come back, we're going to talk about the technicalities, the equipments, the production. So all of that after the break. Alright, welcome back from the break. We learn about your past. We learn about how Seek to Speak came about. But now let's go to the dry stuff, right? Because I believe every podcaster who wants to start a podcast have to go through this journey of what mic do I use? What interface do I use? You know, what DAW do I have to use? Mm-hmm. So now the, the question is for you. Let's start, with the equi- the, let's start with the equipments first, right? How do you pick your mics? Like whatever that was easiest and most affordable to be honest. So so you just went online, you found the cheapest mic and you Oh actually that's not that's not completely true. I watched a lot of videos and read mm-hmm. a, a lot of articles and I wanted something that was semi not the cheapest mm-hmm. but probably easiest to use as well as edit. So that's why I stuck to Samsung Q2U. Which was the one you brought to the studio the first time. Yes, it was the one I brought to the studio. And then I needed a way to have, because I I bought two of them. Mm -hmm. I needed a way to have them play without an audio interface. So I hacked it using the uh, garage van, yes. And a, a USB splitter, that's all. Like So that's how I started. And I started with... So how I picked the mic was just what was available, simple, affordable. And that's it. I just bought the mic. That's it, really. Okay. There was nothing else that I bought and that's how I started. And what interface were you using then? It was just a USB splitter. It was just a USB splitter. That connects to GarageBand. Yeah. And you do... Do you still do your recordings on GarageBand? Yeah, I still do. I know I shouldn't. You're like looking at me. I'm like, you shouldn't. I'm not judging. I'm not judging. (laughs) No, from the content that you produce yourself, you know? And if you tell me you're using GarageBand, I was like, that's actually quite amazing of a, of, of a production value there. Because it just shows people that you don't need to have the fanciest equipments. You don't need to have a fancy Roadcaster Pro, you know? You, you don't need fancy mics. Because if you have the intention to start a podcast, you, you make do with what you can. Yeah. Right? And I just recorded wherever I could record. Like, the first episode was in my room. The second Mm -hmm. episode was at my friend's house. Mm -hmm. The third episode, my friend came to my house uh, on my dining table. Mm -hmm. And of course, we had a lot of problems like 
you know, the tapping the table, yeah. the phone buzzing. But all of that is learning as you go. Mm. You do and learn in the process. But you can start off with literally just a mic. And in fact, you can start off with just a normal earphones, yep. right? And you can you can start off with that and then start buying other things when you feel like you're ready. Like recently, I just bought an interface. Okay, what interface you got? Uh, the cheapest one. <laughs> which, which one? Which is the Behringer. Okay. That's, uh, that's about 600 bucks. Yep. A lot of people started with the Behringer as well. Is it a four input? Yeah, four input. Okay, because I realized that I wanted to have more than two guests. Mm. Sorry, not even more than two. I wanted to have more than one guest. Okay. And the hack didn't work with more than two mics. So I needed to get an interface. I think the first time I was introduced to interface is when I interviewed you guys. Yeah. And then I realized that, oh, if it's more than one person, I'm done. You, yeah. And yeah. have you tried it out yet? Yeah, I, does, I did. Does GarageBand accept more than four inputs? Yeah, they do. Because that's the issue that we have with Audacity. Oh, really? Audacity only recognizes up to two. Oh. And then you need uh, another paid plug-in to have more than four. Uh, GarageBand recognizes yeah. four different devices. Okay. So, but this is because you're using a, a MacBook, right, to to do your yes. Re- so MacBook GarageBand is already free, mm-hmm. but for others, I I don't know what yeah. Windows would be able to use. So so far, Audition has been our bestest friend. So okay, we know that you have GarageBand, your Samsung mics, um, and then. Moving next, right? Because a lot of people that I've heard, they don't really know how to plan an episode, right? For us, we have different segments and each segment holds a different value of emotions of, of what we want to convey to our guests mm-hmm. and what we want our guests to convey to our audience. What is the framework of an episode like for, for the Seek to Speak podcast? Like an episode or how the podcast is framed? How the podcast is framed. All right, so... This is something that I learned from Eric Newsom's book, Make Noise, which mm-hmm. is about podcasting. And it's super simple. It's basically four things. Um, dumb, why, you, and what. So the first thing that you need to think about is dumb. Who is your audience? And I think this resonates with you as well. How does your audience look like? How old are they? What their interests are? And it's so important to know this first before you start because every decision that you make after will think about the mm. audience. So for for sick to speak, my audience is Wei Ling, a university student who previously, before the MCO, travels to uni through public transportation. So she would hear podcasts and she would listen to my podcast because she wants to be inspired to take the plunge to speak more so that she could do better in job interviews, so that she can have better relationships in the future. So every single time I make a decision, I think about wheeling. And if any podcaster is able to visualize that one perfect audience, it's a lot easier for you to plan and structure out your content. The second thing is you. Who are you on the podcast? Because everybody is so many things. I'm like a legal counsel. I'm a teacher. I'm a wife. I'm so many different things. But which is the personality that you want to show on your show, right? And you don't have to show everything, but also think about why you are the best person to host that show. And it doesn't mean you need to have special information or you have to be an expert in the field you could be an average malaysian or a millennial and that's your target market you're just another millennial who wants to talk to other interesting people so why you which part of you is going to be shown on that episode 
I know this is a little long, but it was really, really important for when I started my podcast. The next one is your why. Like, what do you want to achieve? Is it after every episode, do you want people to laugh? Do you want people to act a certain way? Do you want to inspire people like for Sick to Speak? I want to motivate and inspire them to always speak out and speak their mind. So knowing that that's my objective, that's how I start framing my episodes. So how do I frame my episodes? I want to interview people and their speaking journey in order to find out how much of that journey helped them with their career, helped them with their dreams. And I also wanted to figure out if all of these amazing people started out as great speakers. And most of the time, that's not the case. They started out just as nervous, as timid, some stutter. So... I thought that that best achieved my why, which was to help motivate people like Wailing to speak more. So once you figure out your why and your what, which is that message, you have a podcast, basically. You know how to structure it. Every single thing that you do after, should it be 20 minutes or 40 minutes, one hour? Which guest should I approach? Should it be Q&A? Should it be narrative? We'll always go back to that compass, those four things. And it just really helps guide you towards making decisions on your show and how to structure it. So if you're kind of lost, don't know where to start, don't know what to think about, talk about, just think about these four things and the answer becomes really, really clear. Yeah, so that's how I suggest structuring a show. What is post-production like for you? Post-production! The worst. (laughs) The bane of every... For you, social media. For me, it's also social media, but also post-production. So post-production looks like this to me. My post-production process is saving it and then listening to it one round, or at least two times, Mm -hmm. and then thinking about which parts... I, because most of the time, my interviews are like one hour or more than an hour. But the episode length, I've already decided, should be about 30 minutes, at the most 40 minutes. Because that's usually the time it takes for people to finish doing their dishes, finish going to the office as they drive. And you're always thinking about when they would listen to it. That's why, for example, I drop my episodes on Monday because that's when people listen on the weekdays Mm. when they're doing chores, not on the weekends. So post-production looks like listening to it twice and then going to things that I want to remove and things I want to keep and then actually removing and keeping some of those things. And then after that, I think about how to frame the episode, meaning what was what is my introduction to the conversation? I'll say, hey guys, welcome to this show. This conversation is about so-and-so. And I write that down because that becomes what I put in the social media post as well. And then I'll pick one or two snippets, like one minute, to become the first part of the show. Because... Kelvin, as you know, when people start interviewing, it takes a while for them to be comfortable, right? But that part is usually the worst part of the conversation. (laughs) The best parts are at the end. So I do a little snippet at the beginning so that the audience or listeners will know that this is what you can get out of it before that introduction. And that snippet is what I put in social media as Mm. well. I put an audio snippet that is subtitled. And then once I'm done, that all through GarageBand, by the way. And then I save it as... A, a file and then I upload it on something called Ophonic. Yeah. I just did use this recently. So it levels all of the 
voices. Aud- audio. So I don't have to. Before this, I used to have to yeah. put it up and down. That was really annoying. Is it a paid service or? No, it's uh, two free two hours every month. Okay. So that's just nice ngam, for ngam, me. Ngam just for yeah. You. So I feed that through a phonic. It also reduces the background noise, noise a little bit. And then after that, I upload it on Red Circle, which is my free hosting site mm-hmm. as well. And then when it's released, I just post everything that I've decided, which is the snippet, the caption, which I use as the conversation, the intro to the conversation, onto Instagram and Facebook, and, and it's done. And all this is done by so me, <laughs> just you, alone. Yes. How? But how? my husband helps. Think about the show. Like he's my sounding board, okay. so he's like my like your producer. Okay. <laughs> yeah. When you're doing your recordings, is he there to so so called produce the show with no, you? No, he's more of like, hey, I'm gonna be interviewing this person. These are the questions that I have. What do you think? That's it. Okay. So yeah. For post production, right? Let's say you've wrapped up an episode. You've done, yeah. Let's just put it as that you wrapped up your episode. How many hours does it? Take or how many days does it take for you to start churning out the post production? That's a really good question. I don't know how many hours, in particular, but it takes me about a week or two. Okay. It's that long okay. because when you listen to a podcast episode for too many times, you kind of like don't realize what's good or what's bad. So I have to like listen to it and then stop, edit, and then stop, and then it's a, it's a long process for me. But I enjoy the process. But I also have a method in which to do it because if you want to finish it between two days, it's going to be really difficult. Mm. So just be patient with the process. So if I were to say one week or two weeks, and maybe like a lot of hours, a lot of hours, yeah, like I don't know, like, ten. Like hours? before the re- before the recording happened, I did tell you for me to do one social post, it takes me about two hours, and yeah. and, and and that's just transcribing. Putting the video, creating a thumbnail. Oh my! Oh my gosh! You have to do the caption. You have yep. to do the video. You have to do the Canva. And and caption is so underrated. Caption and subtitles are so underrated, yeah. especially if you're putting on socials. Because yeah. uh, I I I read a study somewhere where people are usually on social media when they're having their idle time, when they're taking a shit, when when <laughs> when when they're just doing the most mundane thing. Right? Yeah. And as they scroll through social media. There is a difference of looking at the video itself and looking at a video with subtitles because they are engaged if there's subtitles, right? So, so yeah, subtitles and, and transcription, yeah, okay. underrated. Let me just say this really quickly. So for some, some listeners who may benefit from this, I use something called vid. Yeah, it's free. You'll have a watermark at the end, but it helps you transcribe the video or audio. And it's really great to have like an audio snippet. The other option is headliner, which is also free, but I find that a little bit harder to use. Another thing that I've recently used is something called Descript. So it's a free app if you use two hours of transcription and it's really it has cut down my editing time like crazy so it takes the audio and transposes it into a document okay so it's so much easier for me because I can just cut out like the segments that I want by just highlighting and delete rather than last time mm. when I had to do ev- for every single yeah. audio track manually and I wouldn't know where everything was because it's just timestamps but once you move one the timestamps move right so try out this script it's free it transcribes the whole it? thing D-E-S-C this script 
R I P T A. <laughs> yes, correct. D E script. Okay. D E S C R I P T. Okay. All right. It's really good, and then it also automatically generates like audiograms for you. So I would really recommend newbies start with this, especially if you don't really care about the sound, and mm. just want to edit. Yeah. Okay. So those are the things that you. I love how frugal you are when it comes to all this free <laughs> software, and 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 I love how it all makes it work for you. Yeah, right? because it's so intimidating. I want other people to know that you can do this mm. for free. Mm. Okay, since you mentioned about intimidating, right? What what is the biggest struggle you have so far with Seek to Speak podcast? It it can be like having a guest on. It can be post production. It can be anything. What is the biggest struggle you have so far with the show? I think I would like to say it's post production editing because it takes so much time. But actually, the most difficult thing is approaching guests to me because everything else is within my control. Like I can do it within my own time, mm-hmm. but approaching guests actually involves reaching out to somebody who may potentially say no to you. And then you'll always think, oh, it's because my podcast is not good enough, or is it because I'm not trying hard enough? And it's not just reaching out to these people, but also when they do agree, <laughs> it's about making sure that you do justice to their episode, that you research enough, that you have questions that are relevant, not just pre-interview, mm-hmm. but during the interview, making sure that it's not awkward, that they're comfortable, getting the best. Out of every guest, I find that that's actually the most difficult job because it totally depends on circumstantial yep. thing, yep. whether or not the guest is cool, whether or not you vibe with the guest. But that's what you need to do. You need to make it work. I believe what you just said is secondary. Finding guests is one of the hardest part. Number one, worrying about how they are behind the mic that should be secondary. Because what we do here is like we try to research as mm-hmm. much as we can, right? And sometimes it's really hard when it comes to new podcasters, for example, because they just started. There's not much written about them, and and you really have to like deep dive into into whatever platforms they're publicly available on, mm. and from there you start coming up with questions. But going back to finding guests itself, I think I can say. So far, uh, within the network itself, we have seven shows, and we have never once gotten a no for an answer to be, "Hey, we have this show. We would love to have you as a guest." We have never once gotten a no, but we have gotten ghosted a lot of times. Oh, like, as in people don't reply. People just don't reply at all. Yeah, I, I still don't think that as a no. Maybe it went to junk. Maybe they read it, but they have really busy schedules. Mm. But yeah, we we have yet to get a no. And recently, for cultivating the masses, I think we have approached one of the biggest guests that you guys have ever gotten. We might ever have. We're still waiting for a reply. Okay, 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 okay. That's great. But th- actually, that's what I want to tell the listeners as well. It's okay if they ghost you. I think my first ghosted email, I really took it quite tough. Uh, I wanted basically a local female politician to be on the show, and I sent her an email, and then she didn't reply. And then I was like, "Oh no, that's my first ghost." But you realize that, of course, you're asking them to do a lot. Yeah. And who are you, right? right? These are random people that you're approaching. So of course, there are times where they won't respond. But from that, I learned that. All right, and this is something I learned from you as well. Make sure you have a deck. Yeah, you, you need to have a deck <laughs> because. <laughs> 
I mean, yeah. Joe can say as a somebody studying marketing. I I don't study marketing. Yeah. I did. I don't even know what a deck I, is. Yeah, like, I don't even know what a deck is until my friend started. I think we approached one of my friends to get on the show, and it's like, uh, "Hey, bro, you got a deck?" I was like. Well, you like a skate deck, like a like a skate. <laughs> I was like, "What? What are you trying to say?" And then it's like, "No, no, uh, a deck is a presentation uh, file, right? Where you put all the info about your show, what's the purpose of it, and why do you want me to be on yeah, your show?" Right? Yeah. I was like, "Oh, it's, um, there's such thing out there, you know." So I I I researched a deck. And the first few decks that we've did was so ugly. It was so terrible, but it did get the message across. You know? Yeah, and, and that's the most important thing because when you have a show, dear audience out there, if you have a show and you want a guest, mm. and you don't even have a deck, just make sure that the email or message that you send out to the potential guest that you want has value. Don't yeah. don't don't half ass it. Go all the way. Tell them what who you are what your podcast is about, be genuine about it. And more often than not, that's how I started. Yeah. You know, and we always get response back. It's like, hey, sure, that's very interesting. I would love to spend an hour or two of my time to come to your show to talk about this and that. Yeah, and plus you don't want to offend them with the lack of like effort. I think once I got a random DM saying, hey, let's collaborate on a podcast. And I'm like, who are you? And like, that's like literally just that, hey, want to collaborate on a podcast? And I was like, I felt kind of, maybe I shouldn't have, but I felt kind of insulted because I'm like, you didn't even introduce yourself. This is some sliding into my DM scenario. Mm. So don't ever make your guests feel like that their time is less worth it simply because you can simply waste it by asking someone like that, assuming that they would accept. So I think since that ghosted email, I've not only made a deck, but... I've been a lot more cautious with who mm. I ask and how I ask because you don't ever want that guest to feel anything less than yep. absolutely comfortable and happy to be yep. your guest. Your first few guests might be friends, you know, yeah. people that you know. <laughs> but as your show grows, the value of it grows as well. And yeah. the guest grows as well, you know. Yeah. You start off as a novice where you get your friends and family. It's like, hey guys, I, I have this show and I have this really interesting topic but I don't know who else to talk to. Would you, you know? Yeah, sure man, I'm your friend. Sure, I'll come. Yeah, yeah. You know? And sometimes they ask for a deck like yeah. yourself. <laughs> so, the big guest that we have for Cultivating yeah. the Masters is Tony Fernandez. You know, oh, that's wow. Tony Fernandez. And, and as we were typing the pitch, you know, so... We we moved on from decks already. So yeah. so now if we have an invitation, we we attach two files. One okay. is the, one is the deck of the podcast itself, and one is a formal invitation letter with letterheads and all. Oh wow, right? that's 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 really smart. Okay, I find this super useful. If I had heard this, I would have done that deck so, or so formal letterhead. Okay, I'm gonna ask this question for the benefit of our listeners. Please, what do you put in a deck? If you don't have a lot of listeners, let's say you only have five episodes, you're having one or two listens every episode. How do you make a deck that will persuade? Going somebody? back to what you say, having listeners should be secondary. Mm. If you have a deck, most importantly, introduce who you are. Mm. Always introduce who you are because if you send me a deck and I'm your potential guest, yeah, and there's no information whatsoever about who you are, why, why, why would I be bothered? You know, so introduce who you are. You know, you are a student from this and that, or or you have been in this line of work. You know, for X amount of years. Always introduce who you are. Start yeah. off with, "Hi, my name is blah blah blah." 
uh, and then introduce the show. Mm. You know, because if okay, fine. Now I know who you are, but what's the point of this? You know, yeah. why are you sending me a deck? Okay, I want to invite you on this show, and this show is about this and that, that and this, and you have to put it in a sense where, as much as I don't have audiences. I would really love for you to come on my show to share what you have learned mm. throughout your journey as an entrepreneur, mm. as a key opinion leader, as an influencer. Yeah, make it genuine. Like, like don't don't make your guests feel like you're half-assing this. Like you say, like what makes you think that your time is more important than mine? Yeah, that you, you can just ask me like that. Yeah, make, yeah. Just introduce yourself, introduce the show, and give me the purpose of what you want me to be on. Yeah, I'm actually. I ask you the question not just for the benefit of listeners, but also for my own benefit. Because for a long time, I felt like my listens didn't justify anybody to come on my show. Anybody that is not my friend, you know. It took a while for me to feel or bring back that confidence of like, you know what? It doesn't matter how many listens. It's about the vision of on an objective of that show. And I think that if you pick. The guest for that purpose, that guest will also resonate with the purpose of your show. Mm. So yeah, don't be afraid to not have a lot of listens, and you don't have to include the number of listens in your deck. When we started Epic Arcade, we had about ten, twenty listeners or less per episode. We still could get a lot of game developers on. We, oh really? We got a esports founder to come on our show, just to share what they do mm. because. How I see it is as much as this show was created for the audience, but it's also created for me to meet other people, yeah, uh, other like-minded true. people with that shares the same value and love of something that that I like too. Yeah, that's right? that's absolutely yeah. true. Another thing that I want to say on this point of guests, right? You're absolutely right that you can start out with just your friends and family, and then you can start. You can go towards the likes of Tony Fernandez, mm. but. If you don't ever get the famous guest, that's also okay. Just do better. Yeah, and also sometimes I've been thinking a lot about how to change、um, my show because I find that the guests that I got or the episodes that people listen to is dependent on the guest. Meaning, if I think this person is interesting, I will listen. Oh wow, this person is someone famous.、Mm. I'm gonna listen. It's an influence. I'm gonna listen. But I find that. Those things are going to be really hard to do for each episode. So what I've been thinking of doing is actually having a powerful structure that will stand out regardless of the guest. So my following would be loyal even if the guest is a yep. nobody. Yep. So instead of making, because right now my episodes are all about the guests. All right, who they are, what they do, why they're great. I'm going to move away from that structure about. What the content should be and what I should get the guests to talk about,、mm. so I think that would make my listeners more loyal to the following as well. So it won't just be the guest friends or family. So that's something that you can do as well. It doesn't have to be predicated on the strength of the guest, but rather the strength of your form. How I see it is, if you have like a quote unquote influencer, you、mm. know, or or like a big name, that is somewhat of a pull mar- factor. Yeah. A marketing pull factor where it's like, oh shit, this this show has someone big. I'm gonna listen to it, and and if I consume what you have to say or or what your guests have to say, and I like it,、mm. you gain a follower, right? And this follower, like like you say, will eventually and hopefully be a、yeah. loyal audience or subscriber to your show, which、yeah. which definitely makes sense. One more thing, you will also face this weird phenomenon 
as you go on of people randomly contacting you to be on your show. Like old high school mates or random friends or friends or siblings of guests saying that, hey, can I be on your show? And a difficulty of that is, what do you say? How do you say, no, I'm sorry, it doesn't fit my podcast? Or I wouldn't say, no, you're not famous enough, just it doesn't fit my podcast. I don't know how, I'm sure, Kelvin, you've dealt with this a lot. How do you react to that, especially if it's a close friend? Because I've had a close friend ask me, hey, I want to be on your show. And then you're like, how do I, what do I say? That's a very good question. Thank you for that. Um, so I, I have a lot of experience of uh, like, like just going to places that I chill, you know, go to the cafe, go, go makan. And we meet old friends. I was like, yeah. hey, hey, bro, why, why did you invite me to your podcast? Huh? I was like, in my head, I was like, because I don't really want you on my show. <laughs> That's the most realistic way I can say it. But just say that I don't, I have nothing nice to say about it because yeah. I'm just going to be very frank because this is my show, right? And for PSMY, for, for this podcast itself, the guests that I want are local podcasters like mm-hmm. yourself, right? Like Norman, like like Young Safia uh, and, and all the past guests that I had. But if it's for Epic Arcade, it would be more lenient more relaxed in a way because mm. it's just a bunch of boys talking about video games every week so so shows like that I don't mind having a few friends on just to like hey bro you know this week we play, variety. We play. yeah it's that there are a variety of opinions but if people ask you questions like hey Aisa why didn't you get me on your show you just gotta tell them because this is my show and I decide who comes on my show <laughs> yeah. or not. and they don't say why didn't you put me on your show they will say Hey, can I be on your show? Yeah, like, like, point blank. I, I have nothing smart to say because what I normally do is just laugh it off and just walk away. Because I've done that before. Like, like I say, I'm a very awkward introvert. Right? So when people throw me a curveball, I just throw back a curveball. It's like, ha, 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 and slowly walk away. <laughs> I actually, I find this very difficult because I actually have a lot of people asking me to be on the show. I know it's it sounds silly, but you are going to face that. Yeah. I think every new podcaster, the moment your friends find out, they are going to want to be on your show for some reason. But it also depends on what topic you're talking about yeah, that day, that's right? True. Be- because if, if your friend wants to be on your show and they're a professional in a segment that you might want mm. to explore, yeah, sure, come on. You know? It's about finding the value yes. in that friend as yes. well, I, if you really want them on. Mm, I can't talk about a topic and have a guest that don't know what the topic is about. Yeah, yeah. Then let's just go to our mama and talk about it. You know, yeah. the, who wants to listen yeah, to our mama right, conversation? Right. Let's just go to our mama and they and, can just go to our mama. Yeah, you know, you don't have to set up the entire stu- yeah, studio true. just to talk about something that you find might not be fruitful to your mm. audience itself. Going back to your question, if someone asks you if you don't be on a podcast, just awkwardly laugh and walk away. That's what I do. <laughs> All right. Well, we really covered a lot on guests. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we're at the last stretch of the show. We have talked about a lot of things. Too okay? many things. And and the producer has been saying that this podcast has been going on for an hour and 20 minutes now. So it's okay. okay. I'm not going to limit it. I love and enjoy the conversation. So we're just going to keep going, right? So let's start off with fan questions, right? I reached out to some of our podcasting friends out there, starting with Roshan from the Ruma Roy podcast. Roshan, shout out to you. Hope you're doing good, Roshan. His question, who is the person she wants to sit down and talk to and how is she moving towards that goal? Michelle Obama. (laughs) I mean, whether or not I'm moving towards the goal, 
I mean, if you want to dream big, you might as well dream big. There was a time where she came, she and her husband Obama came to Malaysia to give a mm. talk. Um, but that was just for their foundation's members. And then they also gave a talk in Singapore. I considered buying a ticket. Do you know how much the ticket was? It was more than a thousand Sing dollars. Sing dollars? That yeah. is like 300 plus a thousand. thousand. Yeah, yeah. Tr- yeah, 3,000. 3,000 plus ringgit. Lah. Yeah. So, uh, to answer your question, Roshan, I'm still saving money to be to listen to her talk, to maybe be able to glimpse her and say, Hey, Michelle, I have a podcast. Do you want to be on? Okay. <laughs> because and then she created her own podcast yeah, as yeah, well, yeah, yeah. which I love. So, if there's anybody that I want to sit down with, okay. it's her. Okay. Okay, I love how you're just fangirling when Michelle's name come out. The second question is from Yodin from The Pendulum Show. His question is, what's been the biggest challenge in growing your podcast and how are you going to overcome it? Oh, wow. That's a really difficult question. I think the biggest challenge is finding time to do the work that matters. Not the social media, not the editing, but actually sitting down and planning the show. That's the most difficult part, but that's the most important part. But sometimes you get so caught up with all these other minute and trivial details, which are important, but they're not, they're urgent, but they're not important in the bigger scheme of things. So what I've done instead is I've tried to find more efficient ways to do things. Like I try to automate a lot of what I do now. So I'm using this script so that I don't have to manually type down everybody's quotes as well as do the videos and transcribing. I have recruited uh, my sister's friend to help me with social media posts. So I'm just trying to do things more efficient and to put stuff in the hands of other people, things that are not as important so that I can just sit down and think about what season two should be, who should be there and how it should look like. Yeah. Last question is not really a question, more more towards a statement. I asked Norman the same question, but he was too busy. But all he said was, make sure to ask her as much as you can. She's very well she's very well opinionated and makes for someone to have a very good conversation with. Oh my which, gosh. Which I definitely oh agree. Which I definitely <laughs> agree. That is so nice. Oh so, my this is such a good collection. Thank you yeah. for asking so, me these. Shout out to our friends. Roshan at the Ruma Roy podcast, Yodin at the Pendulum Show, and Norman from That's the Norm. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Yeah, Pendulum Show, my episode with Pendulum Show is coming out very soon. Okay. <laughs> so that was a fan question. And now let's move towards the last segment of the podcast sessions, Malaysia Podcast. What else do you have planned in the future of Seek to Speak podcast? Because I do know that you have workshops, speaking clubs, and more coming up. Is, oh, is there yeah. anything that you can hint to us? Thank you for the opportunity to talk about this. So first of all, it's something I'm super passionate about. And I think because I'm taking a break in December, I had time to mm-hmm. do it, which is Women With Words. It is a female speaking club. Because what I really want to establish and this is one of my goals is not to make money or to get a lot of listeners but to create a community behind my podcast a community who wants to learn how to speak a community who wants to share ideas so 
Women with Words is a female speaking club. We we try to meet every biweekly, mm-hmm. and we have a team for every club. Like our first team was Expectations. Our next team is Independence. It's happening on 19th of December, where women exchange ideas and they create speeches and they just deliver those speeches within that meeting. Okay. So the reason why I wanted to build a community around the podcast is because when I was plugged into your community, Malaysian podcasters community, I felt so belong. And I felt like all of the advice, yeah, all of the, the advice that was shared in the Facebook group really, really helped me with my journey. So I thought, why can't I create that community around my listeners as well as people who are interested to improve their speaking skills? And it's completely free. It's really safe and so supportive. We had our first meeting two weeks ago and it was so much fun. So yeah, that's the so first thing. Where can they find more of Women With Words? All right, so you just search... My Female Speaking Club on Facebook and you'll see the group. Just add yourself. My Female Speaking Club. Yeah. Okay. Right. We. I'm, I'm surprised that we got that group name. <laughs> Last question. Yeah. This one is a bit of a cheating question on my okay. end. La. So, Aisa, why do you seek to speak? <laughs> oh, wow. I've actually never thought about it. I seek to speak because speaking is something that I am passionate about. I seek to speak in order to motivate others to better verbalize themselves and their stories. I seek to speak because it makes me feel the most human. So that's why I seek to speak. Wow, you really surprised me there. Now I know how my guest feels. Now I know how you felt. Yeah, <laughs> thank you very much. This is like revenge. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, so that's the end of the show. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for sharing all the valuable lessons that you have. Thank you for sharing your journey of being a local Malaysian podcaster. But before we let you go, we're going to give you the last chance to do all your plugs. Plug your personal socials, your podcast social, anything else you want to plug. All, this is you. This is all you. Oh, okay. So thank you for that. So Seek to Speak, its flagship website is actually seektospeak.com. So you can find the articles, everything about the club, as well as the podcast on seektospeak.com. S-E-E-K-T-O-S-P-E-A-K. I don't know why I thought I needed to spell that, but yes. All right, we have an episode. I don't know when this episode is dropping, but we have a special coming up um, with a pendulum show. We have a couple of specials that I think that you guys should listen to with Women's Aid Organization. We had a special on mental health. Our new season is coming up in January and we are completely, I say we, but it's really me, but I'm completely changing up the whole podcast, changing the format we would have special segments. So look out for that coming soon in January. And our next Women With Words meeting is coming on the 19th of December. Please register. It's free if you're a Malaysian female. Sorry, Kelvin, you're not part of the club. I'm actually low-key jealous because I want to learn too, (laughs) but it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, so that's all. All right. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. And that's all the time we have for this episode of Podcast Session. Thank you for joining us and we hope that you enjoyed this show as we bring you behind the mic with the voices and personalities that makes up the Malaysian podcasters. I've been your host, Kelvin Tay, and this is another podcast produced by Renegade Radio. If you're a Malaysian podcaster and would like to be featured on the show, email us at mypodcastsessions at gmail.com or drop us a DM on Instagram at podsesh.my. Podcast Sessions Malaysia is an original production of Renegade Radio. To find more amazing Malaysian-made podcasts, go to rngdr.com.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.